everybody, and welcome back to the Bitter Rivals podcast. This is episode 117, hosted by 91N. As always, thank you to all the fellows over there. As as per usual, always love to give a good shout out to them. Uh, I am your host, Avery Roush, along with co-host Gatano Gallo. Uh, it's been a couple weeks since we had an episode. My mother's birthday was last weekend. I, I, I apologize for not putting out a little statement on that, why we didn't have an episode last week. We will be uh, trying to get back to regular, regular scheduled programming here once a week, uh, especially as we kind of move into the playoff push, which will be very fun for some people, not so fun <laughs> for others. Um, but yeah, I think we all know where we're going to start here. In, it's number 34. That guy is playing on a different – he's playing a different game right now, it seems. Everything he puts on net is going in. He's scoring from everywhere. He's scoring on rushes up the center of the ice. He's scoring on one-timers from the fucking goal line. He's scoring from everywhere, and it's incredible. You know, when you think about the greatest goal scorers of all time, and I'm not saying he is yet. I'm think, I think he will get there. I'm not saying he's there yet as greatest goal scorer of all time. But when you think about them, you think about guys like Alex Ovechkin, who's got that one tee from the top corner, and that's pretty much how he scored of, of the 840-odd goals that he's got. No, he doesn't have that many yet, does he? 840? Uh, I think Gretzky's 894, and he's needs like 60 or something to catch up. Is that correct? He currently has 838. Dude, so I was pretty that... close, 840-something. That was yeah. a guess, right off the top of the noggin there. And he's but, uh, uh, yeah. only 56 behind Mr. Gretzky. Okay. So, yeah, and he's gone on a scoring streak lately, other than last night, which, by the way, uh, Cosmo and Marissa Martello were at that hockey game last night watching. Um, yeah, watching the Florida Panthers versus the Washington Capitals. So that was good for them. Shout out to them. Um, but, yeah, he's been on a little bit of a tirade lately, scoring some goals I'm gonna, again. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give the Habs credit for this because he was on a terrible – goalless drought until he played the Habs and then scored I think two against us and then he's just kind of been scoring for fun since so you're welcome hockey world you're welcome hockey world here I'm just pulling up his NHL edge page which is something that I've been using uh lately to to look at stats for for different players I don't know if you have uh have you? I've not used it yet um but I have seen the commercials for it and it looks pretty interesting yeah, there's some pretty interesting stuff going on here. I was looking at uh, um, Austin Matthews' edge page, and he's just everywhere, man. He's just doing everything right. And, and some people will argue this, but he's also playing selkie-like defense. Like, truly. Like, out there against the best players every night and shutting them down. Like, especially this last seven-game streak that we've been on. I'm not going to lie to you. Like, last night was a little bit squirrely for a few few seconds there against Colorado, which is bound to happen. Colorado's a good hockey team. Like, Stanley Cup champion hockey team, very good hockey team, right? But it just seems, like, this seven-game stretch, it, it it seems like the best team hockey I've seen this team play, like, in as long as I can remember. Like the, And it started with the Morgan Riley suspension. It started with the Morgan Riley suspension. And then... Austin Matthews put the team on his back and they played tight defense and they made simple plays instead of trying to do too much. And they got goaltending and all of those things together have culminated in this just cohesive unit of a hockey team that works together and wins hockey games and like decisively wins hockey games. And I get it. Some of the competition wasn't too great. There was Arizona in there, uh, you know, Anaheim, like there were some pretty not good (laughs) hockey teams. I understand that, but 
they still like that's the Leafs are notorious for shitting the bed against not good hockey teams. So for them to lock it down like that, especially with their number one defenseman out for the five games, he's come back and they've won two with them now. But it's it's great. Like, it's unreal. And I, I don't remember the exact number, but their record without Morgan Riley in the last two seasons is, like, outrageous. Like, like record-setting pace without Morgan Riley. It's wild. Because <laughs> he's our number one D-man. Like, and obviously, like, we know that the team is better with Morgan Riley on it. Like, we understand that, yes. But just, it's jar, like, it's it's hard not to notice, you know, when you look at the numbers. I think they're, like, they're, like, 28, 4, and 1 or something without them. Like, it's absurd. Like, it's, it, it, I don't even know that how makes awesome, sense. Yeah. But it is. Back to the main point here, though, and that's Austin Matthews. This guy... Now, I believe he's paid his 56th game, and he's got 52 goals in 56 games. He's on pace for, um, didn't score last night. He was on pace for 76 prior to last night. I assume he's on pace for 74, 75 now. I want to say that again. Austin Matthews is on pace for 74, 75 goals right now. Just like, that's just insane. (laughs) Again, many say Alex Ovechkin is the greatest goal scorer of all time. And I get it. Errors are different, blah, 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 blah. Best season was 65. Like, I don't know. I like, here's the thing. I'm still, if you're, I'm, if you ask me like prime Ovi or prime Matthews, I'm still taking prime Ovi. I'm taking Matthews. And for the simple reason that it's not just the one T on the power play. It's not here's just the thing, the is one like, T from the top corner. But the thing is like, Ovi's that, that one T from the fucking top of the circle there. You know it's coming. You know you know that's the only fucking thing he's... Not the only thing he's got. But you know that's most of those 834 goals. And he still does it. It doesn't matter. You put two guys on him, he still is going to rip a top cheddar. You put three guys on him, doesn't matter. He's still going to fucking rip a top cheddar. That's just my... Like, he's but just so, 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 so good at it. I see where you're coming from there. But I, I would argue that Matthews has that too. The curl and drag from the middle, like the toe drag release from the center of the ice. Same fucking thing. The only thing is he's got four or five other things that he can do to you to make you look stupid. That's that's what makes Austin Matthews, in my opinion, on track to be the best goal scorer of all time. Is just he can beat you every which way and clean. Like he can beat you clean every which way. And here's the thing about Austin Matthews in this year. He's on pace for 74, 75. Do I think he gets there? Probably not. Not going to lie to you. I, I think he probably cools off a little bit. He didn't score last night. I imagine he finishes somewhere between 65 and 70. That would be where I would guess. I would put him at. Um, here's the thing. He's shooting 24% right now. That is that. That is incredible. Also unsustainable. I think. Un- that's exactly. <laughs> There's no way that holds up. If he shoots 24% for the rest of the season, I'm sorry. He hit like... That's the first of all, that's the greatest goal scoring season of all time. If he shoots 24% for the rest of the season and finishes with finishes with like 75, 76 goals, that's the greatest goal scoring season of all time. And it's not even questionable. Uh, like, like, no. What's, what's the all time goal scoring record in a season? 92 and 81, 82 from Gretzky when he had 242 points. Fucking hell. Okay. Yeah. But like, here's the thing. I just, I think, I, I think like, uh, like a lot of times, even like in soccer debates, where you you just kind of exclude Messi and Ronaldo because you're just like, hey, like nobody else is near them. Who's like, I think the same. You look at the Gretzky the same way, where you go, 
the best goal scoring season is going to be Gretzky. The best points for Gretzky. The best this is everything's Gretzky. The best besides Gretzky. I think you would have a case. Uh, see, I, I, I just the, the reason I argue that is simply because you have to adjust for era. You have to adjust for era. Right. And I don't know the exact like I, I'm sure I could even find it here on NHL Edge and, and look up what the era, era, era adjusted goals is for Gretzky. Actually, I'm going to do that. Era adjusted goals, Wayne Gretzky. And I just want to clear up, this is not a plug for NHL Edge. We don't. This is just us using it as a tool. We're not. We're, this is. We're not getting paid for this. This is not a plug. But I mean, no. if NHL wants to give us money to do this, we will sell out for it. Yes. Okay. So era adjusted goals. I don't have it for that one season, but just to give you a little bit of how this kind of works, he's got 894 goals all time, and his era adjusted goals would be 758. So he loses almost 150 goals if you if you do the era adjustment um whereas you talk about a guy like alex ovechkin who's got 822 goals his era adjusted goals would be 924 so he actually (laughs) goes up 102 goals once you adjust for era and yeah that uh that's when you re- when you take that into consideration, that's what I'm talking about when I say this is the greatest goal scoring season of all time. When you look at the competition, when you look at the fact that Austin Matthews has 52 goals, nobody's at 40 yet. Nobody's at 40 yet. Wayne Gretzky's line mate had 85 that year. Yari Curry, right? Like that's what. Yeah, I... Yari Curry was not a fucking bum, Avery. Yari Curry was also a fucking all star and hall of famer. I understand. Like... That. No, I'm not saying that. I'm I'm not saying that he wasn't. I'm just saying that. Yari Curry, are you going to say that Yari Curry had a better goal scoring season than that season than Austin Matthews did this year? Or is this year? It's not over yet. I mean, I would have to look at all of, like the numbers a little better than that, but I like if if when you say what is the best goal scoring season, the first thing I'm thinking is your straight totals. Like that's you can kind of pick through it after and like dissect it a little bit, but like like straight goals is what I mostly would look at. Or, like, and then probably after that, like, goals per game. Like, if someone played, you know, only 60 games but put up 50 goals, like, that's an incredible goal-scoring season. Like, Matthews in the uh, the lockout year, you know, or not the lockout year, the, the COVID bubble year. Like, that was yeah. an incredible goal-scoring season as well. Yeah, well, hmm. just looking here. Yeah, man, like, this guy is just on a, on a tear. I, I, 500, like, I'm just looking at his career numbers here. 537 games played, 619 points, 351 goals. Like, 59 game-winning goals in, in his career, this guy. That is actually ridiculous. <laughs> like, come on, man. It's just, I'm, and he started, he had some slow stretches, like he really did this year. I believe the other number that is going to, be nuts to you is he's got 36 in his last 32. And I think before that, he went like a nine-game streak with only scoring one goal. But since I believe the date is December 2nd, this guy has just been... Like, it's a disappointment if he only scores one. Like, it well, really like at is. at the start of the season, it was like hat-tricks or nothing for him, right? He went hat-trick, hat-trick, nothing, nothing. And then I think he scored another hat-trick. In yeah, like so it was like literally it was hat-tricks or nothing. 
Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of hat tricks, another um, – that's been a theme in Toronto for the past couple of weeks is hat tricks too. Uh, Matthews had one. McMahon had one. Last night, Bertuzzi had a hat trick. Uh, it was his birthday last night, by the way. So it was a happy birthday. Anyway, Bobby McMahon, that guy has come into this lineup. Started on the fourth line. He's moved up to the uh, third line. He's actually got John Tavares as a centerman now with Nick Robertson on the other wing. Uh, so they've moved. Your second line center then. Max Domi is playing with Nylander and Bertuzzi. Um, and then Marner Matthews and Nyes. Uh, and then I believe our fourth line right now is Kampf, Reeves, and Holmberg. Um, Yarncroke is out with injury still. So when he comes back in, things are going to be a little bit shifty. I, I Honestly, it sucks to say Kampf has not been good. So I could see him coming out of the lineup. Reeves has been okay. Like over the past week and a half, two weeks, he's he's actually served his purpose. He's been... In people's faces, he's finishing checks. He doesn't seem to give up on pucks like he was at the beginning of the year. Maybe it seems like he's gained a step, maybe, um, which is good to see. I guess probably sitting for a few games kind of makes you realize you you got to do something. Um, but Holmberg's probably going to be the one who ends up sitting. That would be my guess once Yarncroke comes back. Uh, I would guess that they drop Nick Roberts into the fourth line, which doesn't make much sense for the type of player that he is, but you're not taking McMahon off of that third line. No. McMahon no, has the way, the way he's been playing is, yeah. Yeah, McMahon has been a force, and he's the exact type of player you want come April, man. Like, just finishes every single check. He four-checks like a dog on a bone, man. And he hustles, and he scores, and he makes plays, and he skates. And, man, you don't really see that often in Toronto, where you have a guy called up from the Marlies, and he's just exactly what you crave. Exactly what us as a fan base has been craving for years is some fucking balls, man. And then Bertuzzi scores his hat trick last night. He had a goal in the game before that as well. And he's getting in people's faces, driving people nuts. Same with Max Domi. He had a couple goals a couple games ago against Vegas. Um, man, Vegas too. They're on a little bit of a skid, eh? Yeah, yeah it's um... looking good down there. And do you know what? The Leafs put up seven. On Aiden Hill, who going into that game had the best save percentage in the league. They chased, or they didn't put up seven on him. I think they put up four on him and chased him. Oh. Yeah, and he, by the way, Canadian. We're talking about who's going to be the goaltender for the for Team Canada. I was just going to bring that up. I saw a lot of people having him as part of that, their goaltending trio. It might be Aiden Hill. It might be Aiden Hill, which is crazy. Yeah. But it's... Like, unless somebody, like, really, like, takes a step here in these next two years, I don't want to go, go off track of what you're talking about to do Team Canada Olympic stuff. But, like, if somebody doesn't step up in the next, like, 18 months. Oof. It's Aiden Hill. <laughs> Aiden Hill and George <laughs> Bennington, dude. Anyway. I'm, I, I'm still throwing Monty in there, but, you know. Anyways. Yeah. Uh, I, I did just want to touch on that Morgan Rally suspension that uh, I talked about earlier. Honestly, it yeah. doesn't matter. We won all five games without him. But can we agree that just the inconsistency, like I understand where you're, I know exactly what you're going to say right now and that that does deserve five games, but so does a million other ones. Right and here. And like that, that's been my issue with suspensions and the Leafs recently is it feels like at times they're the only team getting punished properly. <laughs> like I look at the Matthews. Uh, what two gamer for game. game. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, like that's probably worth two games, but then somebody else does it and they get a $5,000 fine. And somebody well, else does it, and they get nothing. And then you're like, well, 
you know, what, what's what's the point? The next time Jacob Truba tries to take his four iron out and take off Frank Frederick's head, Frederick's head with it, probably should get more than a fine. Like yeah. that would be probably yeah. ideal is to give that guy more than a fine when he swings his stick at a guy's head. That, yeah, you know, that's all. <laughs> and it just, I don't want to talk too much about it, but just no. for Gary Bettman, first of all, like, did you see the eleven-page report that they put out? What like about Morgan Riley's appeal? I did not eleven-page report because I was not going to read eleven page. Like I didn't care enough about it to read eleven pages. I just kind of saw some of the highlights of it. Um, like, yeah, like it wasn't wasn't great. Wasn't great. I get it. Like I get that. Like just say no. It's five games. End of story. 11 pages calling it ridiculous, saying that the the slap shot into the empty net, frankly, doesn't matter. Like, fuck you. Of course it matters, dude. Like, of course, there's like that is part of the context of this incident, obviously. Yeah. You don't do that unless you're expecting that to happen, right? I was watching, I think it was college, women's college hockey yesterday. Yes. Same yes. thing happened. Same response as it should have been. Like, what do you think's going to happen when you take a clapper into an empty net from the top of the crease? Like, what do you think is going to happen? Do you think everybody's just going to be like, okay, go home, take your puck and go home, have a, have a fun two points, go home, good night, have a beer for me tonight? Like, no, that's not what's going to happen, dude. You're going to get your head taken off. I get it. Morgan Riley probably shouldn't have cross-checked him in the neck. I would argue that he cross-checked him in the shoulder, and when Ridley Grigg lifted his arm to try to defend himself, he actually rolled the stick up into his own neck. I would make that argument, and I get it. It's up to Morgan Riley to control his stick, but five games was excessive. I think we could agree. Based on the precedent that the league has set with incidents like this, that was excessive. That was ex way too excessive. In my opinion, that was two games done over. I over. probably would have went three or four, but, like, meh. Like, at that point, it's, you know, yeah. really not much of a difference. And I just think... The only thing I will say, I do appreciate the league putting out uh, an explanation uh, as much as we didn't agree with it. Yeah. It, like, it at was least just so at, over the top. Even the explanation was just like, come on, man. Like, you know, and like they, they did compare it to a couple different incidents that got lower suspensions and explained why they felt the Morgan Riley one should have been more, which I was like, okay, like, I, like, I see what you're trying to do here. But you're just kind of wrong. Yeah. Like it was. It was like the the content wasn't good, but the the actual planning of the oh we're gonna put out this is exactly why the suspension is happening was like I thought a, a good a good kind of step for the NHL. Yeah, and, and hopefully, hopefully that's not the only time they do it. They well, it, but that's the thing is I am confident that it will be the only time they fucking do yeah. it because it's the Toronto Maple Leafs. Happened on Saturday night, hockey night in Canada. They need to make an example out of them. And they do it every fucking time. And you know what I think about it? And I see the picture posted on Twitter every time the Leafs get handed down a ridiculous suspension like this. Or something goes against the Leafs where there should have been a suspension and there isn't one. Every yep. time. It's the picture of George Peros in his Habs jersey bleeding out, knocked out cold on the ice with Colt Nord calling for the calling for the medical team. And that... that I swear to God, that's the th that's the picture that goes through George Peros's head whenever he sees the blue and white come across his desk. I swear, I know that's what happens. I just, I know it. I oh my God! And you know what? The, I respected that guy in the league, even though he was a hab. 
I respond, he was in the league and he would be out there with his big duster and he would be just punching guys in the head, left, right, and center. And his brand violent gentleman, I always thought was a cool thing and all of this cool stuff. And now I hate the guy. Like I actually cannot stand his work in the department of player safety. It's pathetic. It's embarrassing. And the league needs to make changes, man. He, he is the definition. I've said this a thousand times. He's the definition of the inmate running the asylum. He is a violent, he was a violent hockey player. That's what he did is punch people in the head. And you're going to tell him to dish out suspensions to guys? Are you kidding me? I don't know, man. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, look, we, we, we could do this. We've, we've done this probably about 110 times out of 117 episodes. We could do it again. Um, I, just, I, I just don't have the energy for it today, honestly. No, it's I agree, man. Stupid. I hear you, man. Yeah, it's it's it is stupid. Um, what are you gonna do? Uh, last point I have to touch on Leafs, and then we can get into some Habs conversations. Um, so, a lot of talk about what this team's gonna do at the deadline. Obviously, we're not gonna talk too much about the deadline today, as we have an episode next week before the deadline. Um, but. I'm just going to put a blanket statement on it. I don't think that the Leafs should do too much this year. I don't think they should sell the farm. I think that what happens is going to happen because of the guys that are already in that dressing room. I mean that if they win, and I mean that if they lose. It, it's not going to be because you bring in a third-pairing defenseman for a third-round pick, or even a top-pairing defenseman to confuse Morgan Radley with for the rest of the season for a first-round pick. Like, we don't need that right now. Whoever, What's going to happen is going to happen because of the goaltenders in the net, because of the defensemen in that back end and because of the forwards up front that are there now, right? And the coach. Obviously, coaching has a lot to do with it as well. To me, adding something right now, as much as you're hoping that's going to make your team better, you're risking losing some of the cohesiveness you've built, especially over the past couple of weeks, right? Like, what, are you going to slot in a guy and take Simo Benoit out of the lineup? Because you're not doing that. That guy has been on his game, right? Once Mark Giordano comes back, Lagason's gone. The next guy out is Ben Watt, and I don't want him out. That is a guy you need in the playoffs. He reminds me of a Luke Shen from last year. Like, he's just a dog, that guy. I don't know what to tell you. He's throwing his weight around. He's wrecking guys. He's fighting. He's blocking shots. Like, amazing. Amazing. He's, and obviously, zero offense comes with that guy, but that is not the point. That, exactly. That, that, that's, you know, any offense you get from a third-pairing defenseman who plays like what? under eight minutes a night is bonus as long as it's not coming at the cost of giving up goals. Well, that pairing him and Jake McCabe have been like shut down all year, all year, all year. And with Morgan Riley, when he went out, that allowed TJ Brody to play um, the left side where he clearly looks way more comfortable. So they got to find a way to get both Riley and Brody on the left side, but that means they can't play together and they've played together basically since Brody came to the Leafs. So I know messing with Morgan Riley's defensive partner at this point in the season is probably not the best idea, but I think you got to do it. That's the only change I would make. If you're going to make a change, you're getting Morgan Riley a new defensive partner, or you're just going to set him up with one of the guys you have internally now. Like that's, those are your options in my opinion. Who wouldn't touch goaltending? Would not touch goaltending because Joseph Wool's going to come back soon here. Ilya Samsonov found his game. We have three goalies. What do you mean touch goaltending? Well, I just mean Jones is, a, a, you know, he's a career backup. That's all he's ever going to be. 
Samsonov's been really up and down this year, and then Wool's been hurt, so you haven't seen him a lot. I'm just curious if maybe, uh, you know, if you'd move Samsonov for for something a little more steady. Well, you'd have to first identify something that would be out there. So let's start there. What goaltenders are available? There's actually a shit ton of goalies available. Okay. So Montreal, Montreal's got two in Allen and uh, Primo. Montebo is probably, av- for the right offer, Montebo is probably available. I don't think the Leafs would make that offer. Um, you know, big name I can think of, Jacob Markstrom. That would be That's an expensive one for too. you. Um, but you're also getting a lot more term out of that, too. It's not just uh, a, a pure rental. I think you got him for two years. Yeah, like that's that's pretty good. Yeah, no, that it, I just don't. First of all, I don't think the Leafs have what it takes to get a guy like that in terms of assets to give to Calgary. I'm not even like a lot of people are talking about either Hannafin or Tanev, and I don't even see us like all we have is like one first round pick. Like that's all we have. We don't have a second. I just don't see Trelaving, I wouldn't risk what we have right now and give up a first round pick and maybe it doesn't even make your team better yeah. you know no 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 I, I'm, I, I don't I'm not uh, I'm not going to argue with that I just I'm just curious as to your thoughts on that but yeah that, that's that's what I if I was if I was a Leafs fan, that would probably be the only thing that I would look for is maybe if, if you can upgrade your goaltending, you know, wouldn't yeah. be the worst shout in the world. And especially because a guy like Markstrom isn't a, a pure rental. But we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll do a lot more of this next week. For me, I would, I would be looking for like the Luke Trend trade from last year. That would be exactly what I'm looking for. Something exactly like that for almost exactly playing? the same player. Nashville. What's their playoff situation looking like? They're, I believe, pushing for a wild card spot. He is on, I believe he got two or three years at 275 there. He wanted to re-sign in Toronto, but we weren't paying him that. And they did. Um, I would take that contract back if they were willing to eat salary, though, honestly. Like, for sure. If they were if they were to eat a million of that, we get him for 175 for the next two years. I would do that. I would do that, hundred percent. That would depend on Nashville, though, right? Yeah, yeah. Their situation, and I think they're pushing for a playoff spot right now. Yeah, they're fourth in their division right now. So anyway, I know the Leafs are a lot more interesting to talk about these days, but let's get to some Habs content for all our Habs listeners out there. Yeah, so the Habs are kind of on a bit of a skid here. Uh, first five game losing streak of the year, which is shocking to hear, because um, you know, we've not been great. Um, yeah. All of the losses, except for the Pittsburgh one, uh, have been pretty close. Um, you know, one goal games or, you know, a second with an empty netter. Uh, like, we've, we've, I've, you know, coined the term, you know, competitive losing. It's been kind of the theme. Um, as you know, just not being able to put 60 good minutes together. It's like you get a good first period. Uh, their second period's just been awful. Uh, been outscored just horrifically, like almost double digits uh, across these five games in the second period. And then, you know, a, a good fight in the third period to kind of try and bring it back, but it's too little too late. Uh, the goaltending situation still hasn't been really resolved. Uh, we've seen all three of the goalies, Alan Primo and Montembeau, coming in. Um, yeah, it's been, uh, it's been, yeah, kind of just meh to be a Habs fan right now. Slavkovsky and Suzuki, uh, their point streaks are over. 
Suzuki, I think it was at 11 games slash was that eight or nine. Um, yeah, it's just, he's kind of one of those things, uh, kind of bracing for the trade deadline. Hopefully a couple of guys play well this week and so they can get a, get themselves a move out, get us some couple more assets. And yeah, it's been, uh, what, uh, yeah. what who do you see moving? So I think it's going to be of the goalies. I would say Jake Allen's probably most likely to go. Um, just his experience. He's been uh, he's been on a cup winning team as a backup too, right? So you know it's not a guy that you're bringing in to to take over your net full time, but can be that guy uh, that support. And then if he needs to go into the net, uh, you know can do the job. Uh, there's been rumors about David Savard potentially going. He's got one year left. Um, Obviously, he's one of those guys that like, and Kent Hughes, his whole kind of philosophy has been like, we'll trade anyone for the right offer, but we're not going to just, we're not going to accept offers for the sake of accepting offers. You know what I mean? Like we have no reason to get rid of a guy like David Savard, but if a team wants to put in an offer worth, you know, Kent Hughes time, then yeah, like, well, they can make a deal there. Um, Yoel Armia has actually been playing pretty decently the last couple months. Uh, I know we've talked about him where he's just like, I described him as just like completely uninterested in playing hockey at times. And then you get like a 10 game strike of him being like fantastic and unstoppable. He's kind of found a happy medium where he's just playing good hockey, contributing a little bit of his offense, contributing, you know, on defense, just kind of being, you know, a steady kind of level player. Um, mm -hmm. I think he's only got a year left. So I think that's something if perhaps were to retain for, you know, the rest of the season and next is the type of guy that could probably get moved. Uh, and then the last one, it's one of those ones where, like, it's kind of the last few years we've heard the rumors from Josh Anderson. Um, again, teams love him. Uh, he's having an awful season. He's shooting at, like, under 5%, which is, you know, under 5% is not good. Well, uh, I, you know, his career average is around 11. So, you know, he's having just just a poor, poor year. Yeah, but uh, the last couple of years, there's always been rumors that teams want him around the trade deadline. Uh, last year, there were rumors that teams were willing to, you know, offer a first plus for him. Um, you know, looking back, probably should have taken that uh, if teams were willing to make those deals. But uh, yeah, I feel like he's just one of those players that there's there's just always going to be rumors about teams wanting him because the style of hockey he plays. I just uh, yeah, if we can get a good offer for him, I'm not against seeing him leave. What uh, what's his contract look like? Contract situation is uh, a little rough. Let me just pull. If, it if I'm remembering correctly, he's on like five. And I know there's some term on it as well. Five and a half, and the last season of it is twenty six, twenty seven. Okay, so three years after this one. Yeah. Lee. Yeah. Yeah. He is right. Like, yeah, that's a but tough again, but again, like, man. but again, like teams, teams have been interested. Um, so you know, again, whether they're you know fully interested anymore or what that situation would look like now is obviously different. But teams at at points were willing to, you know, work with that five and a half, whether it was partially retained at like fifty percent or get a third team involved to bring it down to twenty five percent. Like, man. This guy's got 16 points in 54 games. And he makes five and a half million dollars. Nobody wants that. Nobody, nobody wants that. 
you guys would have to retain probably more than 50% of that even to talk to teams about moving that out. I know, I, 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 I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not saying, I'm just saying like there's just, even last year when he had like, I don't think it was nearly this bad, but there, he was having a not good season last year as well. And there were still teams, you know, willing to offer first for him. Whether they're willing to offer that first for him this year, I don't know. But you, he's just one of those players that just the, the style of hockey he plays, the very, you know, north-south, big guy, hits everything. Like, it's an, it's an attractive style of player for the playoffs, and that's why I think there's always going to be kind of rumblings about him come the trade deadline. You know what I, I mean? I do. I just, I don't know, like, I just, I can't, I can't see a team seeing past the 16 points in 54 games. Like, that's yeah. just not. Oh, I know, I know, oh, I know. I'm not, oh, I'm not, I'm not, this isn't like a pick trying to sell him to a team here, like, I'm just saying there's always kind of those rumblings. If I would, I would be interested to... to see what what a package for him would look like, what Montreal would have to do to get rid of it, like how much salary they'd have to eat. Yeah. You only like three years too, man. Like holy fuck, that's my a thing. Commitment. I I would assume you get uh, an Arizona involved. Yeah, and try and you know, so the Habs eat fifty, the Yotes eat twenty five percent, and the other team who gets him gets the other twenty five percent of that. That's the only kind of way I would see that working out. But yeah. we've also seen a lot recently that teams in the lower, you know, end the, of the like league are willing to do that. So, yeah, yeah, that's we've seen a lot of that for sure. Um, okay, uh, anything else Hobbs related you wanted to get off your chest? Because there's a couple things from around the league that I would like to chat about. Um, yeah, I don't think there's anything else really in Montreal. It's just been kind of meh. Yeah, that's kind of the way to put it. I know I put it like that a lot of the times, but that's just the way this year has been for us. So yeah, let's uh, let's move around to the rest of the league here. Okay, so the first thing I want to talk about um, is that Matt Rempe guy, the 6'7", 240 centerman for the New York Rangers, who made his debut, I believe it was this week, like, or yeah, well, in, last week now. Yeah, in the uh, Stadium Series game. And he has fought Matt Martin, Nick Delorier, and I forget who, he, what devil he fought, but he beat the shit out of all three of those guys. Yeah. And yesterday he fought Nick Delorier, who, like, might I remind you, is one of the toughest guys in the National Hockey League. Yeah, held his own. He didn't. I, I wouldn't say he beat the shit out of Nick Delorier. They beat the shit out of each other, actually, because that was <laughs> the greatest fight I've ever seen. I think. Like, uh, yeah, they. That was a fucking. That was a heavyweight tilt right there. Yeah. Like that was wild. I, I honestly, I honestly thought when he got yanked, like when Delorier yanked him to the ground there, and he didn't have his helmet on, I was like, oh my god, his skull is cracked wide open. Like, but he, he didn't hit his head. Comes out there, scores the GWG, the game winner. Like, have a week, Matt Rempe. Like, oh my god. Like first of all, like just like NHL debut is already like have a week. Like that's you know congratulations enough. But you do it at a stadium series game. So outdoor in front of probably, what, 50 plus thousand fans? Beat up Matt Martin. Like, beat the shit out of him. And did you hear what Matt Martin said after that fight? Yeah, he's got a, he felt, felt like he had a longer reach than Chara. He's like, I fought Chara. And you felt, it felt like you had a longer reach than Chara. Like, like that's what a compliment. Like, this Rampy kid is going to be... Like he's he's gonna be like a unicorn the same way like Arbor Jack guy is if you know what I mean. Yeah, I it's just like one of the things where everyone's gonna be like, 
how, like where the fuck do we get one of these? Can you imagine those two sh- like showing down at center ice man in MSG? Okay, wait, he plays with the Rangers, right? He's a Ranger. Yeah, that's what I mean. Can you imagine Jack I versus Rempy center ice April, MSG? April 7th. April 7th. Uh, I don't know if it's at wait, give me a sec. I don't know if it's at MSG or not. Uh yeah, it's going to be at MSG. April that 7th. would be like Dude, dude, that would be like, that would be but like Tyson and Tyson fucking... and Gano. <laughs> yeah, like, dude, dude. Yeah. Yeah, no, and I don't expect the guy's production to, like, be crazy. Like, I don't think he's supposed to be that offensively gifted of a player. He did score the game-winning goal. It was a very lucky goal. It basically hit off his skate and went in. But, I mean, Doesn't matter. Went he's in. just out there. Did you see the hit he fucking threw on Nathan Bastian too? Bro, like this kid is gonna be the bane of like our existence as Eastern Conference fans. Yeah, I feel just bad. Gonna... at least we're not in the metro. I feel bad oh. for teams in the metro. He's gonna terrorize the like and that's the thing. Rangers three biggest rivals he just shit on. Islanders, Devils, and then fucking Philly. Like yeah. you just shit on all three of those teams. I was unreal. Like, what a, like have a week, kid. Like, just round of applause. Good for you. Like, I wish. I wish that was me so bad. But uh, yeah, well, you know, I I would just ta- I would just take the six seven. I don't need the NHL bit. I'll just take the six seven. Six seven would Dude, be fucking sick. My favorite part after he scores the game winning goal, he goes on the bench, and I don't even know who the teammate was on the bench, but one of his teammates grabs him by the helmet and just headbutts him. I was like, if he wasn't concussed already from <laughs> taking thirty seven punches from Nick Delorier in the head, now he is. Like, I didn't I see that. It was so funny. I was like, what the hell are you doing? Like, this guy has oh. taken so many blows to the head in the last 25 minutes. It's insane. Like, <laughs> poor guy. I mean, at that point, one more can't hurt. Years off of his life. Like, oh, my God. Um, so, yeah, I, I definitely wanted to give a shout out to that kid because he's been he's been a wrecking ball. And it's been really, really fun to watch. Um, the other thing I wanted to talk about was how the Arizona Coyotes continue to embarrass themselves. Like, they they had a reporter, Craig Morgan, he's a reporter down in Arizona, and he was talking about their gates and how they had $4 million gates this year, and he was actually bragging about it. And then the Arizona Coyotes' actual account, like, quote-tweeted it, and, like, they were bragging about this, and they were talking about how they had gates that went over a million dollars, and they were for... The Habs, the Leafs, the Rangers, and the Blackhawks. <laughs> like, those so, were yeah, the games. Ever, it's like, everyone went, everyone went for a golf trip and decided to see a hockey game as well. Yeah. It's like, just like, dude, you're embarrassing yourself. Like, you're really... No wonder you're filling your barn more than you were last year. There's 5,000 seats, man. Yeah. Like, do you not understand how... Imbe- like, they're actually talking about how they think it's going well. Like, they think that being at Mullet Arena has actually been really good for them. That's embarrassing, dude. That's embarrassing. By the way, Craig Morgan, the reporter I'm talking about, he always also does ASU. Same rink, right? Might as well just stay there. Might as well just get an apartment at the fucking rink. Because, like, it's just, it's so bad for the league. It's so, so bad for the league and embarrassing. Like, it makes the league feel like a joke when people turn on the TV and there's a different camera angle and... Everything's smaller and everything's louder. And especially when the Leafs are in there and you got 5,000 blue and white jerseys in the stands yep. and not one Have black and burgundy one. Like, Have it's just... the exact same, yep. 
It's so embarrassing. It's so, so embarrassing. Like, it's funny when we go to Vancouver and the same thing happens. It's funny when we go to these stadiums with 20,000 people and you have dueling Leafs fans versus Vancouver fans. But when you go to Arizona and it's just blue and white, like, that's it. There's no, there's no, the only Arizona fan in the building is fucking Austin Matthews. Like, <laughs> what are we doing here? You know what I mean? Like, and Austin Matthews scores his 50th goal of the season and 51st goal of the season in, in front of 5,000 people. Because the league is a joke. Like, oh, man. We rip the league a lot on this show, don't we? Well, because the league fucking sucks, man. Oh, my God. It's just unbelievable sometimes. Like, and Gary Bettman is on his way up to Winnipeg to have meeting with ownership because they're not selling as many tickets as they want them to be. But, yep. Yeah. Well, I know. Well, I know. Winnipeg's at 95% capacity and they're getting like special private jets from Gary Bettman up to, up to Manitoba. And then but here's the thing. Arizona the fucking... can't fill a 5,000 person barn and nothing. I'll say the, the thing is the Yotes are also running at probably 96 or 97%, but it's only fucking 5,000 capacity and it's all fucking visiting fans. It's, it's so wild the way that this league does business. It's so, so wild. Anyway, those are the two stories that I wanted to talk about because I thought they were funny. Yeah, I thought no, Red were... just wrecking ball, and yeah, Arizona's a joke. Yeah, they absolutely are. <laughs> yeah. Anything else from around the league that we are forgetting about that I uh, may have glossed over? It's been a couple of weeks since uh, since the episodes, since the last episode, so let's uh, let's go over Off something. Off the top of my head, the only real thing I want to mention is Bedard is now back from his injury uh the the jaw injury uh so that's it's good to see for him and for the league um and yeah that was really about it um not a lot else like crazy has happened around the league so i was looking at the standings um and i i was just i was looking at goal differential and i saw the Habs were at minus 46 which is uh the worst in the in the Atlantic, but, and I was looking and then I looked in the Metro and the Blue Jackets are minus 42. So I was like, oh my God, are the Habs, like, do they have the worst goal differential in the league? And then I went over to the Western Conference. Oh, I'm, I, here's the thing. So I'm scrolling, I'm scrolling the standings right now. I'm going to stop because I want, I want you to tell me. I want to, I want to hear it. I don't want to see it. Okay. So the Ducks have the Habs beat. They are minus 54. The Duck, the Habs were minus 46. They're at minus 54. Blackhawks are at minus 84. <laughs> and the Sharks are at minus 97. The Sharks have like, look, 35 when, when you, points and 15 wins in 56 games. When you started this bit and you said the Habs were minus 46, I was like, fuck, that's really bad. I don't feel anywhere near as bad about that right now. 97? They are getting outscored 215 to 118 on the season. My God. Man. Like that's that, crazy. Like, I'm looking to have nuts. minus 56. Like, 163 goals is like, that's all right. I'm, I'm okay with that. For Again, for what the Habs are, like, I'm okay with that. Giving up 209 is, you know. Yeah. But, like, fuck me. 97. Jesus Christ. Yeah, man. Okay, you know who's hot, right? fucking awful. You know who's like I'm just looking at these standings. Did you know the Rangers were on a 10 game fucking winning streak? 
Uh, I didn't realize it was at 10, but when they beat the Habs last week, I knew it was kind of, it was part of a little bit of a run. I didn't realize it hit it. It had hit 10 though. Dude, it's, it's the Rempy effect. I'm telling you, it's the Rempy effect, but yeah, no, they're, and then Preds are on a, on a streak right now. They got four in a row. Flames are kind of coming back into the, into things. The Oilers have lost three, the Golden Knights have lost three in a row and the Flames are, have won three in a row. So they're making up some ground there. Uh, the Leafs hold the second largest winning streak in the league right now at, at seven. Uh, and that is since that lost game against Ottawa where Morgan Riley took the suspension, man. So I just, I really hope that they can keep this going. Um, like I said, this seven games minus a few hiccups last night have been probably the best seven game stretch. I've seen them play definitely this year, maybe over the past few. Um, so I just hope they can keep that going. I don't want them to change too much because when you start changing things, that's when you start running into problems, man. Especially when you have a team playing this well together right now, the power play looks good. The penalty kill looks good. Five on five. They look good. The new lines look good. Like Max Domi just seems to be able to, he's more, I get it. He's not as talented of of a hockey player as John Tavares, but he's more Nylander's speed. If you know what I'm saying. Oh man, Nylander, Domi is fucking. So when he first came to Montreal, I thought him and Druin would fucking click. Cause I was like, there's just, Domi just like he gets it like he, he's not the skillful guy but he understands how to compliment the skillful guys really well yeah yeah and, and him Bertuzzi and, and Nylander seems to be doing well John Tavares scored a goal at five on five for the first time in like a month and a half the other day and it was partially due to the play of his line mates Bobby McMahon and Nick Robertson and, and I think that those two guys can learn a lot from John Tavares on that third line I think that's probably where he should be. And I know it's not the best to have an $11 million player playing on your third line, but sometimes you just got to balance it out and accept it, man. Like he had all year on the second line to show us that he could do something and he just couldn't. So stop torturing Nylander and Bertuzzi. Give them someone with a little more, little more speed. Pace. Well, yeah. Yeah. There was a conversation that they were having on Overdrive the other day too about uh, Domi and Tavares where Brian Hayes had said he thought Domi had better vision than Tavares. And Mike Johnson was like, are you crazy? Like, are you, have you lost it, Hayes? He may have better vision. He just might not have the ability to put the puck in that area. You know what I mean? Yeah, like John Tavares is an 11 minute, maybe not anymore. And we got a good five years out of that contract. Let's be very clear. And we talked about it when we signed that contract. Like me and you working at Little Caesars had the conversation. Five good years out of that and I'm happy. And we got five good years out of that. We got this year and next year at 11 mil. We know they're probably not going to, he's not going to pay up, play up to the $11 million price tag, but we weren't expecting him to in year six and seven, right? Like you can't expect him to in year six and seven. So it's time. It's time for him to move down the lineup a little bit. And yeah, I think that's fair to everybody. And I think that's going to be how this team moves forward. And I'm happy to see it. So speaking of moving forward, what do the Leafs have coming up this week? Um, so I know we play Vegas on Tuesday in Toronto. First home game in a few. Uh, let me look. All right. uh, while you pull this up, I'll do the Habs quick because we only have three games. So we have Run the Coyotes in Montreal on Tuesday. And then uh, we go uh, to Florida to play the Panthers on Thursday and the Lightning on Saturday. Okay, so we have a couple of Western Conference teams, a couple of um, 
Oh, no. So, yeah, we have the Vegas Golden Knights, a couple of Pacific Division teams. Golden Knights at home, Tuesday, 7 o'clock. Thursday, we play the Coyotes. So, thank God we're not in their barn again. Uh, and then we host the Red Hot Rangers, Saturday night, hockey night in Canada Ooh. at the Scotiabank Arena. Yeah. Rempe Reeves? Rempe Reeves, sounds like it. <laughs> yeah. And actually, the next week, dude, listen to the next week. Monday, Bruins Leafs. Wednesday, Sabres Leafs. Next day, Thursday, Leafs Bruins again. And then do you see what's on that Saturday as well? Is it Leafs Habs? It is Leafs Habs on the Saturday. Oh, buddy, you're coming over. That's, uh, first of all, like, that's a week for the Leafs. It's the Bruins twice, four game week. the Sabres <laughs> and Canadians. Like, those are probably three of your biggest five rivals. Yeah, for sure. Just leaving out, like, Ottawa. Yeah, basically. That's pretty much it. That's <laughs> the schedulers were just like, nah, fuck the Leafs start to March. Fuck them. Yeah, seriously. What the hell? <laughs> like, oh my God. That's ruthless. But uh, yeah, so next game is on Tuesday against the Golden Knights. We kind of made quick work of them last game, so they'll probably be coming out flying. Um, that'll be a tough one, I think. But uh, big win last night. And uh, pretty sure that's all I have. For this episode of the Bitter Rivals podcast. Anything else you would like to get off your chest, Catano? Uh, no, I don't think so. Uh, the Hounds have been kind of meh. The Habs have been kind of meh. And that's just kind of it. All right. Thank you, everybody, to listen to this episode of Bitter Rivals podcast. Signing off is your host, Avery Rush, along with co-host Gatano Gallo. Thank you to 91N again one more time for hosting us on all, all of your platforms. And we will talk to you next week before the trade deadline. Happy Sunday.